Now, uh, I want to talk, this is part two on a phrase in the Bible called, a wretched man that I am. I need you to go to Romans chapter 7. We're going to go to a couple of different scriptures, and then we'll focus in on the series as we're going through Romans. We're in chapter 7. But look at, uh, look at um, what Paul, probably one of the best Christians who've ever lived, looked at how he refers to himself. Romans chapter 7, verse 24. You know, everybody thinks Christians are all goody two-shoes. Think Christians are all nearly perfect. We're all Mary Poppins, you know, practically perfect. And, you know, some Christians may give that air about themselves, but real Christians know the other side. We know what we really are. Look at how Paul calls himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Philippians. Philippians to the right, go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Philippians 3, 20. I gave you these scriptures last week. Got to stay with me, stay awake, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. I'm looking for him. The Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who shall change our beautiful body. Is that what it says? Our vile body. Now, he's not talking about looks. He's talking about. What a mess our life is, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body one day, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. First Timothy 1.15 to the right, First Timothy 1.15. This is how Paul saw himself. First Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Everybody ought to believe this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners. Amen. He didn't save good people because there are none. He saved sinners of whom Paul says, I was chief or I am chief. Me, he, chief, sinner. <laughs> Paul referred to himself as a sinner, as a wretched man. John Newton, we just sang his song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. You ever hear of St. Patrick? And he was a saint, by the way. You know what he said in his testimony back in 480 AD? He said, I am Patrick, a sinner. That's how he starts off. That man did more for Ireland than any politician ever will in the next thousand years. The Apostle John makes it very clear. He says in 1 John, go all the way to the right, almost to Revelation, find 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Who are we lying to? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10. 1 John 1, 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make God a liar, and his word is not in us. So here's the truth. We Christians still willfully do wrong things. We still say wrong things. We think wrong things. When Christians say they don't sin, they're lying. But the problem comes in, uh, but pastor, I'm, uh, uh, I'm forgiven. Let me come back here. I'm, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm saved. I'm justified. I'm, I'm, I have been translated from darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. Why do I still sin? Why is that a reality 
to me. So we're letting Romans chapter 7 answer that. Let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Find your, go to the left. I get to give you a little bit of background because a lot of this stuff is not psychological. It's not philosophical. It won't make sense unless you're a Bible believer. 1 Thessalonians, you were, if you just go onto the other side of Hebrews, you'll hit some little books. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy. But we're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y means completely. All of you. And I pray, God, your whole, what's the first part? Spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are three in one beings. This shell of a body is not all there is to me. Um, we are a body, soul, and spirit. Second Corinthians, go to the left. We're going to settle in just a few minutes, but I've got to get you some good truths here to build upon. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Here's Paul writing again. He says, for which cause we faint not. We don't quit. For though our, what's that first word? What's the next word? Right, our outward man perish. I mean, it's wearing out. It's, it's, it's dying. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. All of a sudden, there are three of us. Go back here. We are, a, there are three parts of us, a body, soul, and spirit right there. We're told we have an outward man and an inward man. Go, to, go back to the left, find 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 14. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Some of you are looking at me going, I don't get a thing he's saying. <laughs> and, and you can blame my accent all you want, but it's not my accent, it's not my performance, it's not my tone that you're upset with. It's the fact that you're still only one one part of you is the only thing in action. There's another part that's not in action at all. I'll explain it in just a second. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are what? They're only spiritually. You need a new spirit in you. You need your spirit resurrected. Verse uh, 15, but he that is, what's the next word? Spiritual. So there's the natural man, the spiritual man, judges all things that he himself is judged of no man. So what do we got? I have an outer man. That's what you're looking at. It's what man sees. I have an inner man. That's my soul. Right? That's the real me. And then I have a spiritual man. That's the one God sees. And all your life that, that you've lived up until the moment you got born again, all God saw was a dead man. You were dead towards God. You love sin. You were alive toward this world because of your flesh was in this world and of this world, but there was a part of you that was meant for God and it was dead. And so that spiritual man in you needs to be resurrected. That's the new birth that's being born again. The inner you is going to go spend eternity somewhere forever. You better decide where. If you don't get that spiritual man regenerated, if you don't get born again, that outer man, when you die, that inner man's going straight to hell. That ought to terrify you. 
because you're more than just you and me. A lot of people, <laughs> somebody was asked, where were we? Uh, somebody asked, uh, uh, oh, uh, I was up in Dublin uh, with Dan Perro, and we were at the men's home, and he was preaching, and he, pre he, uh, and he was telling the story. He asked this guy, where are you going when you die? He says, Belfast. <laughs> he scratched and said, where do you want to go there? That's where I want to be buried. That's, that's all he was worried about was a box in the dirt. Said, I'm going to Belfast. <laughs> Oh, and Dan had to break the news to him. That's not where you're stopping. <laughs> so anyway, you have, there's more to you than what everybody else sees. Now, the truth is this. Sometimes Paul's referring to the outer man, sometimes the inner man, sometimes to the spiritual man. And you need to know which one he's talking about. And there's one other part of you you got to deal with, and that's sin in me. You can't leave that out of the equation, okay? So what is sin? What is sin? Now, I know the Bible says sin is the transgression of the law. You understand that word? That's the breaking of God's laws. If I do something that I shouldn't do, all right. But that's not the full meaning of sin. Sin is rebellion against God. That is sin. It is an active force in every one of us that is against God. Go back to Romans. We're going to spend our time in Romans now. Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. See, we, we already don't like the word sinner, but how do you like the word rebel? Because that's what we are. You say, well, now I'm saved. You're still a rebel. <laughs> You're still a wretched man that if you don't walk in the spirit, you will fulfill the lust of a rebel. Look at your Bible, Romans chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. There was something going on inside of us that was killing us. Down to verse 8 now. But sin, as an active force in you, taking occasion by the commandment, it wrought in me, sin produced in me all manner of concupiscence, which is lust. Without the law, sin was dead. Verse 9, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Look in verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment, it used the commandment to deceive me, and by the law of God, sin ended up not helping me, but slewing, slaying killing me look at verse 13 was then that which is good the law made death unto me god forbid but it was sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful verse down verse 17 now it is no more i sorry then it is no more i that do wrong things but sin that dwelleth in me. And then verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. If I do the things that I don't want to do, it is no more I that do those sins, but sin dwelling in me. It's like a plague. It's like a plague, but it's far worse. It is rebellion against God. Sin is not just disobedience to God. It's the attitude of disobedience. It is the hatred of God. It's an attitude of, you're not going to tell me how to run my life. You're not going to interfere with my plans. God, just keep your distance. That's a rebel. 
And no wonder you go off and you sin. Sin is the result of your attitude towards God. You ever had one of your sons or your daughters have an attitude? <laughs> they may have done wrong, but the attitude is worse, isn't it? You fix the attitude because the, the problem is secondary. It's, did you do wrong? Yes, then no problem. But if, if there's always a little warrior inside of us, isn't there? We get, we get caught and we get exposed. Something gets found out that we've done wrong. And that little lawyer says, yeah, but, uh, I, but, but I, I needed to do this or I, I, she deserved it or whatever. And we, we come up with that rebel spirit that says, I'm not wrong. And that's a rebel. That's a rebel. Sin began with Lucifer. What did he do? He looked around and he said, God's got too much glory. I want some of it. And he led a rebellion in heaven. He's still leading a rebellion here against God. He doesn't want you just to sin. He wants you to hate God. That's his whole life purpose. That sin was passed into Adam and Eve and down to every one of us. It's in you and me. And that thing called sin produces sins. Do you understand? It produces, if I have a wrong attitude towards God, if I have a wrong relationship with God, no wonder I'm going to drink. No wonder I'm going to drug up. No wonder I'm going to live angry and bitter. No wonder I'm going to lust. No wonder I'm going to uh, uh, commit adultery and fornication and lie and steal because I don't care about God. You understand? That's my problem. That rebel in me. At the core, we are not good. We are rebels. And the truth is, it's in us. There's nobody in this room who's not a rebel. It's in every one of us. Uh, uh, it's in my body. I mean, you think of how much you think of yourself. You think of how much you think of yourself, what you're going to eat, where you're going to go, who you're going to call, who's going to text you, uh, how, what you're going to dress as. You're thinking about yourself. That's the flesh. And that's, that's this attitude of, God, don't you interfere. <laughs> It's always at work affecting my soul and defiling my spirit. Now, the second thing that we need to know is what is our flesh? Well, you're looking at it. That's your body, your hands, your eyes, your mouth, your digestion, the neurons firing in your brain. They're your muscles, your blood, your bones. Everything about me that is physical, when the Bible talks about flesh, is my flesh. And it loves to sin. It loves, my body loves to rebel against God. You need to know these things if you're going to make sense of what we're about to read here in, in, uh, uh, in Romans. Now go back to verse chapter 6 and verse 1. Let me just try to give you a very quick review. The Bible says we are dead to sin. And that is one of the deepest things you'll ever ponder. Because I may be dead, but I'm still alive. So how does this thing work? Watch it. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If God is so good to me and so kind to me and hasn't killed me, shouldn't I just live in sin then? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? All right. So what that means is we are declared by God to be dead towards sin's dominion and power over us. He defeated sin's grip on us. No longer can sin control us. If you give in to cigarettes, if you give in to late night TV, if you give in to something on your uh, 
smartphone, if you give in, it's because you wanted it. It didn't have any control over you. You just opened it up and let it happen. Jesus Christ declares you uh, now dead to that sin, and you are actually able to walk away from it for the first time in your life. We are dead to sin. Um, and we are made alive to God. I think it's absolutely incredible. We're, we're not only dead to sin, we are alive to God. We've been resurrected on the inside. Like I said, one part of me, God declares dead. And as far as I'm concerned, it is dying and one day will be buried. But there's a part of me that is alive towards God now, and it will live on forever. Um, that's what we learned in Romans chapter 6. We get to chapter 7 now, and we learn that God's laws are good. Look in chapter 7 and verse 7. What shall we say then is the law sin? Now, he's just described how the law keeps pointing out sins in us. Well, is the law the problem? Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Can you imagine going into the doctor? And I just got notified by, uh, by Lily that her brother's wife has, is it stage four cancer? Okay, so just found out she has stage four cancer. Lung cancer? Tell me her name again. Agella. Not saved. Facing terminal disease, like cancer. Can you imagine going to the doctor? The doctor does an MRI, does a CT scan, a, 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 one of those um, different scans and things and all that stuff, and saying to Magella, you got cancer. And then Magella saying, I hate the x-ray machine. Can you imagine that? Now, I, I can understand somebody hating what just told you is wrong with you. Now you understand why people hate the Bible because <laughs> it reveals we're a mess. We're in trouble. We're doomed. No wonder people throw the Bible away thinking if I just got rid of the x-ray machine, I'll be okay. No, no, no. It just revealed what is wrong in us. Look at what he keeps going on there. Verse uh, seven goes on. I had not known lust except the law had said thou shalt not covet one of the 10th commandments, but sin taking occasion by the commandment of God, it wrought in me all manner of lust, concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. It, 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 I wasn't even aware that it was there. For I was alive without the law once. You remember when you were a baby? You were the most selfish creature. Whoever, you're going to have a little selfish brat. <laughs> Charity. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about that baby. That baby, from the moment that baby is born, all that baby is going to think about is himself. Amen? Feed me. Change me. Hold me. You're going to look at that kid. Uh, we need some our time. No. And that's us. Uh, that baby is just as sinful as you and I are. Selfish, self-centered, narcissistic. But he doesn't know any better. So Paul says, when I was a child, I was alive without the law once. At a point in my life, I was happy-go-lucky. We call it innocence, don't we? But when the commandment came and I learned what was right or wrong, sin revived in me and I died. Something inside of me died. We call it the age of accountability where a child knows they're a sinner and they need to be saved. Verse 10, and the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto my death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, used the very commandments that God gave to deceive me into thinking, I'll do better. Well, I'll try and keep the commandments. But it slew me instead, 
Wherefore, look what he says. The law is good. He says the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Your Old Testament is good. Don't you dare only stick in the New Testament. All the laws of God are very important to learn to live by. Verse 13, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, the law didn't damn me. The x-ray didn't condemn me to death. It was already cancer in me. And the x-ray just exposed it. And the law just exposed what was wrong with me. Sin, that it might appear sin. It might be visible. Working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know the law is what? It's spiritual. All right. But I am carnal, sold under sin. So as we talked about last week, the law reveals things that are wrong with me. It agitates sin in me. <laughs> you know what I do sometimes? I, I try not to watch your faces. You know why? Because I know some of you are like, because I'm agitating you. I'll come to the Bible and I'll start saying, and it's something you're struggling with and you don't want to hear about. It. <laughs> and the law agitates sin in you, aggravates it. Uh, maybe you leave some, some crumbs out on the, on the kitchen counter there and you go to bed and in the morning. You go in there and maybe it's a dark kitchen, get up early in the morning, turn the light on, bugs scurry away. That's a terrible thought. But the idea is the light upsets the bugs, doesn't it? And the light of the word upsets the sin in us agitates it you ever find yourself i just don't like that preacher i understand you're not liking me but you better make sure you're not it's not your problem with the bible god's laws are good matter of fact it matures me i mean when i was a baby i didn't care whether i did anything wrong i grew up and i started worrying about am i doing something wrong here it matures me and it drives me to christ isn't the law the most blessed gift to the human heart, to the rebel, to find out you're not just in trouble with God, but there is a way to be saved. The law had a lamb in it, didn't it? The law said, now look to the lamb. The lamb will pay the punishment for your breaking of the law, for your rebellion. God's law is spiritual. It has a good effect, on the, on, especially on the believer. God's law, people say, well, the law is out of date. No, it is not. This generation needs God's laws more than anything else. We come to this great truth. The problem is in me. Look in verse 14. 714, it says this, for, I, for we know that the law is spiritual. I'm the opposite. I am carnal, sold unto sin. So, uh, Oprah Winfrey, and most every song written today says, just look inside and find the light, find your strength. Follow your heart. Eh. Heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Don't follow it, man. Uh, now, when you look deep inside, there's darkness there. Um, Romans 7, 18, look in verse 18. It says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth how many good things? No good thing. Just stop there for a second. Let's, let's talk about this thing for a minute. Let's talk about what a Christian is in their flesh. We're going to. Just glance through this. We'll pick it up next time. What is a Christian in the flesh? All right. I am carnal. Look at verse 14. Again, he says, the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. He does not say I was. He says, I am. It's in the present tense. It's spoken by a believer. Look at verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I was. 
I wish I could say that, brother. I wish I could say, I, there, there is nothing about me that's wrong now. No, no, no. I am still wretched. I am not condemned. I am, I am, I can never not be saved. I can't lose it. But boy, am I a mess still. I want to talk about this. We have to do it over a couple of weeks. Because these words were spoken and written by one of the most godly men in the entire New Testament. His name was Apostle Paul. He describes that even though he's saved and washed and cleansed and forgiven, he says, I am carnal. What does that mean? It means I'm flesh. I am what I am. Surprise, every one of us are in the flesh still. Uh, I'll show you this. Go to Galatians. Hold your place here in Romans. Go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I really want to help you, but I don't know if I can unless you catch a couple of different things here and you start to see who you really are. See, everybody wants to be patted on the back. You're a good boy. Good boy. <laughs> and when we need to be reminded, we're a wretch. Romans 2, 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, all right, so huh, I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, <laughs> but Christ is living in me. All right, now I have to ask you this. We went through that, body, soul, and spirit. He says, part of me died when Christ died. What was it? His flesh. He says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, all right, well, what part of me is alive now? My spirit. So let's read it again here. 320, uh, 220, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm still here. <laughs> I live. Yet not I anymore, but Christ liveth in me. He doesn't live in this body of mine. He lives in my spirit. Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I'm living by <clears throat> the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When someone tries to teach you, you're not living in the flesh. They're, they're deceived. You are in the flesh, ladies and gentlemen. At one, at one time, I had a real spiritual group, and I said, how many of you in the flesh? And everybody went, because <laughs> they didn't want to admit, we're in the flesh, all right? But the flesh does not control my life anymore. As far as God's concerned, my flesh is dead and gone. I should have as very little to do with the flesh my life is supposed to be lived in the spirit now, which is all about chapter eight. We'll get to in a minute. So I'm stuck in this flesh until it finally dies. And that carnal part, when we talk about our, our flesh, we're talking about our outer man. Uh, when you talk about his, uh, you know, my face, my body, my hands, my tongue, my hair, my feet. That's me. And, and the truth is, uh, a Christian is not a Superman. This flesh still is, and I write it down here, weak. It's, all, it's, fear, it's physical and it's temporary. It's dying. Anybody who's bragging, saying, oh, I can put down the cigarettes. I can put down the drink anytime. You are not Superman. I have found that anytime you put down one sin, you'll pick up two more. <laughs> it always is that way. We're sinners. We are weak. You may have the goal to stop smoking or stop watching such, such. That's, that's great, but you're weak. Spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. We are carnal. Look on verse 14. Let's read it again, 714. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. And he says the next three words, sold 
under sin. Again, he's not saying I was a slave. I still am one. There's a part of Paul that always, that is and always will be a slave to sinful desires. Your body will always love to sin. Your flesh will always love drink. That's why AA comes in and says, once an addict, always an addict. Because all they think about is your body. And your body may always love it, but you have something greater in you. Greater is he that is in you than his and in the world that gives you a life. That life is dead and gone. You can walk away from it and be free from it because you are free. That's the Christian truth. But my body is a slave to sin. It's still in me. So a part of me is still under sin. Now, it doesn't have dominion. Here's the truth, okay? Uh, sin has no dominion over me anymore, but it still has residency. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's not the Lord of my life anymore, but it's still a voice in there. It's still a pull, and I can't wait to be free from it. Why does he say in chapter 7, verse 24, 25, he says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? It hadn't happened yet. So Paul proves that we're still under sin. Look at verse 14. I'm like, uh, look at verse 15 now. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now that's funny language to you maybe, but is Paul trying to very short and sweet tell us that we're still sold to sin? Watch it. Look there. Uh, the first part he says is there are things I do that I don't want to do. Did you notice that? The things which I do, I allow not. There are things I do that I don't want to do. Um, uh, there are things that uh, doesn't allow himself to do. And um, like smoke, scream, fight, hate, mock, steal, lie, hit, curse. And yet he does it. He says, there are things that I don't want to do, and I do it. I do things I don't want to do. Then he goes on, and he says, I don't do things that I know I should do. He goes on. For what I would, that what I want to do, that do I not. Huh. I don't do the things I know I should do or even want to do. In other words, there are many good things, important things Paul wanted to do, like read his Bible every day. Like pray about everything. We're told to pray about everything, aren't we? Like give faithfully to missionaries and to the poor. Like go out soul winning. Like perfectly loving your husband or your wife. And you find it that <laughs> I know I should, but I don't do it. Matter of fact, most of us never do most of them. Not consistently. Some of you are so hard on other people. You're looking at other people and you call them hypocrites. They're not consistent in their lives when really you ought to look at yourself and you find out I'm not very consistent either. There are things I know I should be doing and I don't do it. And then he says something that's really amazing. He says, I even do things I hate doing. You know, most sin is pleasant. If you choose to drink, it's probably because you enjoy it. <laughs> if you choose to watch something filthy on, on the Internet or on TV, it's because you like it. But Paul says there are things that I hate doing and yet I still do them. I hate saying things that hurt people. I, I, I do things I, that are illegal, and I don't want to do them. 
I hate being rude, and yet I'm rude. I hate lusting, and yet I find myself looking and longing for what I should not have. No, I shouldn't covet, but I feel so unhappy when I don't get what I want. Try to tell me that's not true in your life. Paul is even finished. We have to stop here. But Paul is admitting that there's a battle going on where he says, I'm trying to do right, but I do wrong. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, if I do what I don't want to do, I consent unto the law that is good for me. I need rules. I need limits put on me. I need a curfew. I need to be told don't do this and don't do that because my flesh rebels and wants to. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, Paul's writing to Christians, but most people don't care what they're doing today. Open your eyes, folks. In this day and age, you know what people hate? Themselves. They can't. They, they have to change themselves. They, they have to do something to, to themselves to make them more acceptable in their eyes and to other people's eyes. They hate themselves. They hate everyone around them. Well, what we need to hate is the sin in us. That's the only thing you need to hate. Modern philosophy is so damning. Just love yourself, and nobody does. There's something in us that is ruining us. It's called sin. But a Christian does care. You know how you know you're saved? You worry about sin. You, it, it gets you when, you've, when you've raised your voice and you said something hurtful and you go, whoops, I'm sorry. That's a Christian. But if you can just railroad in and just keep going and not stopping, you have to ask yourself, am I saved? Because I don't seem to care. A Christian does care. Paul is caring. He says, I'm doing what I hate. When I try to do what I want, I don't do it. And it upsets me. Amen. Thank God for that. So Paul says this. We're going to finish with this thought. Verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am. You know what Paul says? The best Christian is carnal, sold under sin. We'll talk about that later. I'll come back to that. You'll understand a little bit more as we go on. Physically dying. The best Christian could die today. The best Christian could get cancer. The best Christian is physically dying. The best Christian is a wretched man or woman. And that's okay. You say, what'd you say, Pastor? That's okay. Because there's more to us than the outside, isn't there? You know what we're going to sing in just a minute? It is well with my soul. Amen. You say, my eyes, they glance at the wrong things. My heart lusts after the wrong things. My mouth says wrong things. But is your soul okay? Is there something inside of you that is washed and cleansed and forgiven? And even though your body sins still, and hopefully it sins less and less, good night, you shouldn't continue in sin. But when it does, don't beat yourself up. Don't hate yourself. Hate the sin in you. Now, I want to show you the flip side of this thing because that's not all a Christian is because though, uh, there's a power in me, the Holy Spirit of God, that helps me do right you see, somebody says, I wish somebody would stop me from doing wrong. Well, let's do a turnaround. Why don't you get somebody to help you do right? Because you're free from wrong now. All you need is a force in you greater than sin that does right. Do you know the Holy Spirit in you cannot sin? <laughs> Think about that for an hour. 
and it'll make you into a saint. You already are one, but let's let's we'll talk about that later. So we talk about the worst, uh, the best Christian, carnal, dying, wretched. That's the best Christian. The worst Christian is spiritual now. I know the worst of you, the stuff you've done, stuff you've said, the fights you've had, the, the things you've done. You're, you're spiritual. You better get things going, folks. You are now born again. The worst Christian in this room is free in Christ. You say, I'm so far away. You are one step from coming all the way home. You're one breath from praising God. Don't you say, oh, I've got so much to work on. Jesus has a lot to work on. You only got one thing. That's called repentance. That's called brokenness, a broken and contrite heart where you just say, cry out, and you say, God, I'm finished. Help, and the Lord grabs you and pulls you all the way to himself. Free in Christ. The worst Christian in this room has eternal life. You understand that? You say, I know so-and-so. They got into sin. Are they saved? Then they're going to heaven. Because it's not their Christian life, it's not their goodness, it's not their perfection that gets them to heaven. It's Jesus Christ that's taken them, amen? The worst of us is, has eternal life. And the worst of us are blessed. Say, well, I've lost my cat, I lost my dog, I lost my job, I lost my husband, I lost my kids. I... You're a blessed man or woman if you've got Jesus Christ. You have a mansion in heaven with your name on it. Title is clear in your name. Don't you ever complain. You say, it's rough. It's hard. Yeah, amen, for a while, for a while. But that'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. You're a blessed man. The worst of us are. And that's only the beginning. Good night. One of these days, we're going to be delivered from this body of death. <clears throat> we're going to get a new body <laughs> that cannot sin. I think that'd be all right, wouldn't it? You ever had an old car? Some of you, some of us grew up in the old days where when you got a car, <laughs> you knew you had to keep it going. And you constantly were fixing that car and you're constantly helping that car to keep going. And then one day you bought a new car. And that car, every time you turned it on, it started. Whereas the other one, you had to kind of push it, you know, <laughs> get it going downhill. <laughs> kind of had to put. The old days, you had a carburetor and you had to spray some gasoline in the carburetor to get it going. All that work just to keep it moving. Now you get a new car. Folks, this old life, whatever you're focusing on, you're trying to get over every hump and through every day. I've got a new body coming that'll just fly. Hallelujah. 717. Go back to 717. We'll finish with this thought. Now then, it is no more I that do the wrong but sin that dwelleth, that lives in me. So the truth is this, sin is still in me. Say, so why do I still sin? Because there's a, there's a rebel inside me. And as much as I try to argue with it and try to ignore it, it is there. So I cannot wrestle that thing down. I walk in the spirit, and by doing that, my flesh has no more power over me. We'll talk about that when we get to chapter 8. It will blow you away. So whatever you're struggling with, you're in the wrong frame of mind. Quit thinking about the flesh. Quit thinking about what you look like and your friends or your enemies and thinking about your job. Focus on following Jesus Christ. Focus on getting as much of that book in your life as possible and living by it. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts that plague you still of the flesh. So sin is still in me and sin can take over. You ever heard of pastors who've fallen into sin? 
You ever hear of Greek Christians backsliding? You got to understand sin can still take over. If you're not careful and if you don't take this seriously and go, it's still in you. You say, I'm saved now. I, I will never commit adultery. I will never uh, go back to drink. Don't be so confident. Because sin will deceive you. Amen. Sin will. And you'll love it. <laughs> and you'll justify it every time. Sin can still take over. But there's a power in me that helps me do the right things. And if I focus on him, I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it's available only through Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you this. This church can't give it to you. No church program, <clears throat> no prayer um, uh, line or something like this. It's Jesus Christ you need. Would you stand with me and bow your heads in prayer? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your body's never going to be saved. It's going to the grave. But there's a part of you that will never die, the soul. And you'd like to save that this morning. That part of you that loves and hates and chooses, makes a choice what to do every day. That's the real you. And without Jesus Christ, you have no hope. There is no guarantee of going to heaven unless Jesus Christ saves you, steps into your spirit and washes your soul clean and says, let the flesh do what it wants. You follow me. Amen. But if you're not saved, you can get born again today. So how do you do that? Well, you already know you're a mess. Just admit it. Admit you're a sinner. You have no hope. You don't know God. You don't know how to find him. I'm here to tell you he's looking for you. He'd like to have you today. He'd like to have your soul. Try to give him your money. It doesn't do him any good. Why don't you give him your sin, your past? Why don't you say, Lord, here am I. I'm a mess. If you want me, I just know I want you. And if you'll ask him to save you, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. Not religious, but born again. Father, thank you for your word. I know it's a lot of stuff goes over our head and it's deep and things, but it's your word. We're going through it. As we think about it, God, one great truth I want us to walk away with is this flesh is going to do what it wants and I don't want to give it any of my attention. I just want to walk in the spirit. I just want to walk with the mind of Christ. I want to walk like he walked, live like he lived, talk like he talked, love like he loved. Would you help me? I have the victory already, but I haven't stepped into that new life you've given me so many times. I keep stepping back. What a wonderful church this would be if everybody came in in the right spirit, walking in the spirit, not worried about what we're wearing, not worried about how we look, not worried about anything except are we right with you? Lord, let somebody crowd to you. I did 43 years ago, and you heard me, and you saved a wretch like me. Do it again today in this room, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your hymnal.